but it's just airplanes, so it's not, it's it's, not really no this is This is the best seat in the house. It's, it's got a runway in the front yard. <laughs> so here's the thing, all right? You're, you're having a problem. You're doing an emergency landing, all right? And, uh, and you get the airplane down on the runway, and, and you slow down to a taxi, and whew, everything's good. Man, we dodged that bullet, all right? And then you crash into another airplane taxiing on that runway. It's it, like the original Batman movie. Some days you just can't get rid of a bomb. <laughs> yeah. So this is uh what? San Antonio, huh? Um is this actually San Antonio International or whatever it is it's called? I'm uh, sure it is, yeah. yeah Lifeline. And, and one of the citations had been parked there for days. Yeah. So this is uh so a San Antonio something airport um and uh, two uh bizjets um, I, I'm not able to identify. You said they're one's a citation. They're both Cessna citations. Citations um, collided apparently while taxiing. Now, I was joking around about the emergency landing. I don't know for a fact that this didn't happen while that guy was on rollout. Um, but uh, let's see. I should read the story, huh? Maybe Two private jets a... crashed into one another on a Texas Texas runway after one aircraft made an emergency landing. Accident occurred at 4 p.m. San Antonio International Airport. One of the Cessnas had been parked since November 5, while another needed to make an emergency landing because of a fuel leak. No injuries reported. That's all this story says. Uh, oh, wait. No, there's more down below. No, no, that's a different story. Uh, so I could play the video, but I don't want to. Um, yeah, I don't. Now, now my, one thing I find notable at this is, so as, as many WAGs, um, our friend David included, um, have observed, um, these airplanes look like they might be mating badly um <laughs> poorly yeah <laughs> yes yeah. and uh they're, they're doing it airplane style yeah <laughs> and um but uh because uh one um the nose of one is sort of up over the cabin area of the other um they're, they've sort of met nose to nose at something like a 45 degree angle and it, it's a business jet version of the eskimos rub your nose together i guess so huh um, and uh, but I, the thing I find notable is that they're both off the ta- they're both off the pavement. They're on the grass, um, and and you you know this is like a, is this one of those deals where you know you're about to bump into somebody and you both turn the the, the same way to avoid each other and um, it, or or did they collide and then slide off off the pavement or I, I don't know. Well, one just, of them wasn't moving. Yeah, one of them was parked apparently. One what, of them was parked, what it was doing parked. There. I don't understand I what don't, that means. Why would understand. it be parked anywhere near um, the uh, taxiway and or runway? Um, I don't understand. Well, I, I, I looked back to, to see if I could find any other any any other clips on this before I put it on the list. Yeah. And uh, apparently the one that uh, had been parked there uh, had some kind of mechanical problem, and that's where they left it. And the one that made the emergency landing is well off a runway. Uh and yeah. it was it was it was the only one moving. So I think what we're seeing here is the result of both airplanes being moved a little bit by the impact. Okay. Uh, but yeah, I'm with you. But uh, why would they leave it out there? Well, uh, maybe see, it yeah. had overdue parking tickets. Who knows? <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. Did it, what did it, it said it's been parked since November fifth, and this story is dated. Number fifteen, so ten days. So if that's true, then the airplane's been par- been sitting here on the grass or or near the grass for ten days. 
Uh, something about this story doesn't make sense. This could be mainstream media misunderstanding what's yeah, going on here. Yeah, I'm looking at the uh, FAA prelim. There's no NTSB prelim on this yet. Yeah. Huh? Um, um, according to the FAA, the prelim says, aircraft while taxiing clipped the wing of a Cessna 560 that was parked. That's all it says. Okay. Clipped the wing. Um, uh, that looks like a little bit more than a wing got clipped. But yeah, well, I mean, just, if they yeah, clipped hard not. enough, they could spin around and do something weird like this. Yeah. Um, yeah. Um, looking at the wings, I don't see a whole lot of damage to the the upper aircraft, shall we right. say. Now, right. the, 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 um, the one with its nose wheel on top of the fuselage is the one that was parked. According to the uh, and the uh, the one that's underneath uh, is the one that was in motion. Uh, the one that's underneath is the one that was in motion. Okay, so the one that's sort of facing us in this picture, yeah, sort of, it's, it's, mostly it's a, pointed in, towards the camera. Are you looking at the same picture I'm looking at? I don't know. I actually not looking at the picture at all now because I tried to play the video and then it ran an ad and I had to close the tab. I, I understand. Yeah. Um, uh, I'm going to try and get the picture back here. Where is it here? Yeah. I, I, Fox News Channel San Antonio's website is a pain in the uh, yep. aileron. Yeah. Oh, now the video is playing. Oh, wait. Oh, I see. If you hover over the video... It maybe sort of plays part of it. Oh, maybe it's when the window refreshes. Uh, sorry, keep talking, Jeb. Um, you said the... Yeah, um, I don't know, I, I'm looking at the... Um, there's a there's several you know shots here of the... Yeah. Of the uh, aircrafts, aircraft. Um, and I'm trying to get a handle on, you know, how this, you know, where the the uh, in, not in motion aircraft was parked, um, you know, it's, it's it's really difficult. I, I can't right. believe it was parked on the grass like it came to rest. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it's looking at the pavement next to it. I don't see any striping that would indicate a taxiway or you know something like that. So I would presume, if you will, that um, it was parked on the ramp and, and got bumped yeah the, uh, now there's a an x on a piece of pavement beyond um uh, at the top of the frame if you will uh, of the video but i can't determine that pa- that pavement is fairly narrow i can't determine if that was an if that's an old abandoned runway or um same thing for a taxiway or i just don't know the, the layout of the san diego i mean, san antonio airport so there you go. But anyway, um, this is what happens when, you know, one citation tries to crawl on top of another one. Yes, right. Um, I just did a Google search for San Antonio planes collide and got a whole pile of hits on what appears to be this incident. Um, and so I'm wondering if any of them give any more information here. Uh, one of them is from a CBS affiliate. Um, I'm afraid to play videos now, though. Uh, what's the story say? Two private planes collided. One from uh, apparently the the, the uh, emergency landing aircraft had just come from San Jose. Apparently, um, that's notable to me because that's my old stomping grounds. Uh, it apparently crashed. I'm quoting here. It apparently crashed into an unoccupied parked aircraft. Four people were on board the San Jose plane. 
Okay, that's according to uh, sanfrancisco.cbslocal.com. Let's see now, what else we got here? We got uh, uh, News 4, News 4, San Antonio. Um, It says... uh, That's Dateline San Antonio. News 4 is not in San Antonio. uh, That's no, News 4 San Antonio is the uh, domain name. Uh, Not with a a W at the beginning of its call sign. I would agree with that. Well, Um, except there's a WFAA in uh, Dallas. Two citations collided. According to FlightAware, one Cessna citation had been parked since her after arriving from New Orleans. Uh, the other one, in, oh, wait a minute. The other Cessna citation inadvertently th- thrust forward and struck, struck the already parked aircraft. Oh, you know what happened? He meant to step on the brake and he stepped <laughs> on the accelerator pedal. I know. My Cherokee st- does that all the time. You're starting to get into a lot of sexual connotations when you use the word thrust forward. <laughs> <laughs> now, now. Oh, man. You know, last episode was the one where you go, okay, here we go. Here we go. We're going to, this is going to become, you know, maybe we should, that's, that should be the spinoff podcast. It'd be, uh, we should finally and, and once and for all do uncontrolled airspace after dark. Uh, well, if you click on the, other link from the San Antonio station that's on the original story. Yeah. Uh, you'll get treated to the story of how a woman was killed by a wild hog behind her house. Thank a, you. A wild boar. That's and thank I'm you. like, in, in, in San Antonio? Sure, why not? San Antonio. I know they're big on barbecue there, but. No, no, no. Uh, this is uh, now, this is FoxSanAntonio.com. Uh, yeah, that's the other one. Yeah, firefighters, uh, let's see now, uh, not in service, uh, inadvertently thrust forward, and str- this is the same wor- verbiage as the other one. All right, I'm about to give up here. Uh, Fox News, K-E-N-S-5. See, nobody K- bled, nobody went to the hospital, so it, it, was, it was like a five-hour story. Yeah, yeah, but this is airplanes having sex, man. This should be big. This should be big. I don't know. Anyways... Um, I don't know. Is there Air, something? Air, airplanes yeah. having sex. Okay, that's that's the title of the episode. <laughs> yep, that could there be you it go. here. Uh, uh, possible fuel leak. That's apparently the reason for the emergency land. So it wasn't like an emergency landing where they had a control. He was afraid he was got, had a fuel problem. And Call it so precautionary. It, precautionary landing um, is is the, the sense I'm getting from all these different stories. It's amazing. None of these stories has any detail. They're all basically the same four graphs. Um, yeah. hey, they're only I think going it's on a the cons- website. There's a conspiracy here. This they're only going on the website. That's that's all they need for the website. Yeah, I guess. But uh, what's that uh, site that Jeb that uh, reports on aviation? Oh, that's an airline, though. What the, the, all the, uh, the the little forums and things that talk about crashes. P prune. I don't think this would be up on pre prune. Yeah, okay. That's that is what I'm talking about. All right. Yeah. So, all right. Well, well okay. It is, it is what it is. Um, you know, we'll uh-huh. see. Check a few months down the line and see if this produces a bunch of little baby jets. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Dateline San Antonio. Um, three Citation Mustangs were welcomed into the to the fleet today. Uh, offspring of of um, um, their parents, November seven 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 Kilo Bravo and November nine seven three Charlie Golf. Um, 
Um, mother's doing fine. The children are uh, um, um, being inspected. <laughs> Welcome, folks, to Uncontrolled Airspace, the General Aviation Podcast. I'm Jack Hodgson, uh, coming to you from uh, the, uh, the the beautiful, chilly winters, definitely arriving um, shores and uh, banks of the uh, Cochico River uh, here in Dover, New Hampshire. Uh, and we're we're having odd fun this morning. Uh, this could go this could go in great many directions this week. This episode, I don't know. We'll see what happens. Talking to my my two good friends here, uh, trying to puzzle out uh, 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 airplanes mating, airplane airplanes colliding, airplanes something or other. Um, hopefully, there's some more serious story. Well, I mean, where do you think skyhawks come from? Really? Uh, you think the skyhawks are the are the uh, are the? Okay, no, no, no. I'm going to stop now. Uh, that's one of my good friends here talking to me uh, on in our virtual hangar. That's Jeb Burnside from uh, somewhere near Sarasota, Florida. Good morning, Jeb. How are good you morning. doing? I'm I'm well. What is this winter of which you speak? Yeah, I know, huh? I know. I just came back from Las Vegas, where it's actually cold in Las Vegas too. So uh, huh. um, it, it was. It almost snowed. I mean, I swear it almost snowed. It was really. Like the, yeah, it was it was cold. It snowed on the hill. I mean, it was on the hill to, mountaintops around. You know, Las Vegas is sort of. In a, although Las Vegas itself is at something like, like what six thousand feet or something like that. No. Um, no. Uh, no. 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 You're right. Maybe it's three thousand feet. But no. it's. You're going to make me look it up, aren't you? All right. No, I'm going to look it up. All right, you look it up while I say uh, good morning to my other good friend here uh, from uh, the air capital of the world, Wichita, Kansas. That's uh, Dave Higdon. Good morning, David. Good morning, Jack, Jeb. How's everybody? Everybody's uh, well. We're doing well. Um, so, But whatever, Jeb's going to give me the answer in a minute. 2,181 feet. 2,100, okay, 2,000 feet. So, um, But there are, it is surrounded by much taller mountains. Yes, and yes. and those mountains had snow on them. Um, and uh, it actually rained while I was there in, in, uh, really? in uh, Las Vegas. Yeah, two, two mornings it was it was rainy. I mean, and you got to understand what they call rain in, in, Las, yes. in the desert, all right, is... Well, if you want to see some folks having a good time, tune in one of the morning news programs and look at their coverage from Denver International right now. Yeah? Oh, is it snowing in Denver again? Over 500 flights canceled so far today. Really? Really? Yeah, and a bunch more running late. And, Jack, I found the quote that matches up with why none of these stories of the mating Cessnas is any longer... And it came from the character Michael in The Big Chill, who tells his, they ask him about his life in big time journalism. He's working for people. And he tells them, well, where I work, we only have one editorial rule. You can't write anything longer than it takes your average person to take an average bathroom visit. Bathroom visit, thank you. Um, I remember that. And, that's a great and, movie. And, and that's the way a lot of this web news is, is is handled. If it's longer than four graphs, you you need a jump. Yeah, yeah. yeah well, it's funny. Uh, I I, I uh, quoted that that film in my last issue of Aviation Safety. Did you really? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. You, yeah. I mean, I'm, I'm I'm sure you won't be surprised to hear that. Jeb owns a copy of that movie. Yeah. Yeah, you won't be surprised to learn that I have the. DVD. I hope you own a copy of that movie. That's yeah, absolutely. The big chill. We said yes. that out loud, right? Yes. Yeah, the big chill. Um. Anyways, so yeah, um, it's it's um, winter here. 
Um, we, had, we, had, we actually had the tiniest bit of snow on the ground for the first time this season um, the other day. Um, it almost immediately melted, but uh, we had a little slush on the ground. Um, it's been cold, although it's nice now. It's a, um, for anyone who's keeping track, if, you're, if the listeners are keeping score, um, it's, what, two days before Thanksgiving, three days before Thanksgiving. And uh, um, so... Uh, uh, but the weather's turned nice. I mean, for New England, it's forty. It's a balmy forty-two degrees. What's it like in Wichita, David? Well, today it's going to be up in the uh, uh, high fifties, and uh, it's 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 been a little bit uh, uh, dyslexic, you know, for lack mm-hmm. of a better word. Really cold at night and sixties and low seventies during the day. So mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. And, but all and the leaves are off the trees. Oh yeah. That's for sure. Um, and we, quite frankly, don't care what it's like in Florida, Jim. So. I, wasn't, I wasn't going to, to bore you. Oh, yes, you were. You, you, yes, you were. All right. What's going on here? Um, Mooney has shut down again. Again. Is this one going to stick? I, I, that's, I don't mean to be flippant because I know there are lots of people who love their Moonies. Um, our friend James Winbrand, not, not the place well, to which. What they've, what they've released is that they furloughed everybody for a couple of weeks. Uh, is that really and, what they said? Because I didn't take it that way, but go ahead. I didn't take it well, that Well, that's what I've, what I've read in a couple of uh, employee posts. Uh, had furloughed all of its employees and closed the factory. Uh, and the uh, place hadn't gone out of business, but they haven't sold many airplanes in the last couple of years, and they've done a lot of work. They put a lot of money into upgrading the uh, the models that they were selling. I mean, to really complicated, expensive changes like putting a second door in the fuselage. Uh, somebody thought that that would be a big, a big a, a attraction. Uh, ignoring the fact that some of the best-selling airplanes ever, like Bonanzas, have done done really well for what seventy seventy years plus with one door. Mm-hmm. Comanches are still popular with one door. Piper uh, uh, Piper's entire trainer line. Well, hell, its entire line it only has one door. I mean, one front door. The, the uh, six seater's got a back door. Uh, but that's so when you say Mooney was going to, when you say Mooney was going to put a second door on, you mean like a door on the pi, on the uh, on the left yeah, side? Yeah, a pilot side door on yeah. on, on later models. Huh, um, okay, uh, I don't know all the the nomenclature, but yeah, um, uh, acclaims. Um, I don't know which specific models, and I don't know when they started putting pilot side doors on. But uh, okay, oh, there you go. Oh, one of my Wichita friends. Uh, left here to go to work for, for Mooney out in California when they were doing the engineering work on this on this idea. And now he's back, uh, came back a couple of years ago. But the engineering that it took and the changes to the production that it took oh, I'm sure. were pretty substantial because, you know, you look at that really smooth skin on the, uh, on the Moonies, and unless you dive into it and learn about it, it masks a tube fuselage that's underneath there. All right, that's, that's what I was curious about. Yeah, go ahead. It's a steel tube fuselage. Yeah. It's, it's, except in be, instead of being sheathed in fabric like a lot of old tube and rag airplanes, it's sheathed in uh, 
well, I, I, it, it may be composites now, but it's been sheet metal for years. And that tube only goes back to the back of the passenger compartment or the luggage compartment because from there back, it's strictly uh, aluminum sheet metal. There's no tubing back there. And then the wing is one piece mm-hmm. and installed on. There's never been a wing failure in a Mooney from overspeeding, uh, a metal which is wing. pretty remarkable considering. Uh, so you got to re-engineer that whole fuselage structure to carry the loads that uh, have to be transferred around the door structure. And then the, put the door in and uh, reroute possibly reroute wiring and pedostatic tubing. Who knows what went down the left side of it uh, before. Uh, that was a really expensive proposition. They came out with a trainer that, uh, that it, I don't think went anywhere. Mm-hmm. And it's not for lack of really trying to make their airplanes more attractive to a contemporary market. I mean, they've upgraded the avionics and all that like everybody else. Mm-hmm. Uh, but they've done some real work to try to improve the airframe itself, and it hadn't gone anywhere for them. Yeah. And it surprises me because th- those are very fast, very fuel-efficient airplanes, uh, particularly compared fuel efficiency-wise to uh, something like an SR-22. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I, I don't disagree. I, I mean, I, I joke about, uh, um, you know, tail being on backwards and, and, and nonsense like that. Um, but Moonies have always been solid airplanes. I've, I, uh, I've been in them before. Um, always, you know, happy with the performance, etc. Um, I don't know if the, I mean, I, I, you know, sitting here talking about, say, Mooney versus Cirrus, for example, um, it strikes me that the money involved is pretty much the same. Mm-hmm. Uh, the Mooney is more efficient. Uh, it, it would, i.e. faster on the same amount of fuel um, where it stacks up in useful load where it stacks up in you know, other things I don't I don't really know um, but when you compare it to the Cirrus there's there's two things that the Cirrus has going for it one of course is the parachute uh, I think the other is perhaps uh, the fixed gear okay uh, so that's that, interesting so yeah. that uh, insurance is, is cheaper, at least from the standpoint of landing gear up. You can't do that in a Cirrus. Um, but I don't know. It, it's, yeah. it's rather it's it's all rather curious, and uh, I uh, you know I, I just kind of wonder if it's just a matter of time uh, before you know Textron stops making the Bonanza, for example, um, for similar reasons um, that it's just not competitive. Um, but Anz has been in, you know, we talk about how Cessna um, stopped making piston engine airplanes for 10 years and whatnot. Uh, the Bonanza was always, has always been in production. You, you know, you might not see one or two of them a year on some years, but uh, um, there's it's been uninterrupted production since 1947. Right. Uh, and that's that's certainly something to crow about. Um I I just don't know what it is about Moonies that uh, are turning people off. I you know, and I confess that I've never actually even sat in a Mooney, let alone flown one or flown mm-hmm. in one. But uh, so as as an aviation as an airplane watcher, um, I my first two impressions about Mooney from just over the years. Um, it, the first is that they're faster, and that's one of as I understand it, that's one of the big appeals. Um, uh, the other thing is that apparently one of the ways they 
one of the side effects of it being faster, as I understand it, is that they are smaller inside. Um, I, I'm told that it's pretty tight in there. Is that well, the case? Well, it's, it's, there's a little bit of an optical illusion, and we could go research statistics on you know how what the cabin width is of a Mooney versus a Cherokee versus a Cirrus versus a Bonanza, yada, yada, and you're going to find that there's you know probably within three or four inches uh, of range across the board on all these models. Um, that or may or may not make a difference to you depending on your physique. Mm-hmm. Um, the other thing going on, though, is that the windows in a Mooney uh, have been um, different, shall we say, than uh, other aircraft of, of the same basic style. Basically smaller <clears throat> and I think mounted somewhat higher uh, on the airframe. Uh, so that the there's an illusion, an optical illusion of um, the cabin being smaller. Um, Bonanza versus uh, Bonanza, Bonanza, for example, have taller windows. They they're wrapped into a little bit to the roof and they extend further uh, down uh, into the cabin, um, which gives the illusion of an, a larger area cabin. And, again, if you put a tape measure on them, they're probably not going to be three or four inches worth of difference. Right. But sometimes the illusion is what so you're the, going the, for. Well, you know, the illusion is the illusion is everything. I mean, yeah, right. You know, <clears throat> we don't want to get into that. Uh, but, um, um, yeah, uh, and, and, again, I don't, I don't understand why um, Mooney is, is perennially on the rocks. I just don't get it. Yeah. The other thing I hear, and this is much less, but I sort of hear this, um, is that they're more of a handful to fly, uh, Moonies are. I never got that. I, I mean, I never understood that. And, uh, and do, you have, do you have pilot and command time in a Mooney, David, or have you been uh, active right seat? Several hours in the left seat of late model Moonies back in okay. the... Uh, Back in the uh, early part of the century, when I was doing a lot of pilot reports, uh, the uh, the uh, airplane had undergone some changes. Uh, a guy named Rick Pittner, who was the vice president of marketing, would bring around the latest model for me to fly. They improved the width of the interior without changing the fuselage structure mm-hmm. by changing the side panels mm-hmm. and putting some bow in, in, in some spots that didn't have them before. Uh, and the, the one recurring squawk that I've heard about flying Moonies has been that they're hard to land. And I've heard the same thing about Comanches, which, yes. you know, nobody, anybody's been listening to us for a while. No, I owned one for quite a while and put a lot of hours on it. And Rick Pittner was the guy that taught me how to make a Mooney land smoothly and consistently every time. And it transferred really well to the, to the Comanche, which mm-hmm. had a similar reputation. Yeah. Uh, and what is that? Speed control. Yeah. You can't you you can't be sloppy on your speeds. You can't come in ten knots fast and go. Oh yeah, it's all right. It'll bleed off. It sure will. A little ground effect for a thousand twelve hundred feet if you come right. in ten knots too fast. If you come in five knots too slow, you'll kind of run out of flare and it'll plunk in. And it doesn't hurt anything, but it's uncomfortable and it doesn't look cool and it sounds gnarly and. Uh, 
but Moonies, Comanches, and Bonanzas, all three, are a treat to handle. Mm-hmm. I mean, they're just really nice, nicely harmonized, uh, well balanced. Uh, there's some difference in the control pressures on them. Uh, you know, you get into the late model Bonanzas, which are the heaviest Bonanzas that have ever been built. Yeah, and there's there's more uh, takes a little more muscle on the yoke to change pitch, and it takes a little more pitch trim to keep that extra weight off your hands. Uh, the four-cylinder Moonies and Comanches with the 180-horse Lycomings and the 200-horse Lycoming, uh, they're like sports cars. Yeah. I mean, they just really they roll and pitch up with almost no effort whatsoever, uh, like driving a Corvette. Uh, and one of the reasons for that is instead of cables, uh, Mooney uses rods. Oh really? Okay. So that yeah. to, for for aileron actuation, certainly I don't know about the rest of the control system. Um, so the, the 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 rods or tubes or whatever they are, um, there's no slack in them like, like you will find in in, in uh, cables, even even brand new cables, um, pulleys and, and all that mechanism that you'll find in a quote unquote conventional airplane. Interesting. Okay. Yeah. Um, right. So we hope Mooney. it comes back. Yeah, we hope absolutely. It comes back. Do. It's a marvelous airplane. Maybe yeah. they'll put the tail on correctly. Who knows? <laughs> well, you know that's that's one of the most interesting aspects of that design. Uh-huh. When 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 the Mooney brothers were working on this back in the fifties uh, on, on the M twenty that we have today. It, they were looking for efficiencies in the manufacturing process. Mm-hmm. And if you look closely at the tail surfaces of a of a 20-series Mooney, and that still applies today, you probably notice, or you might notice, that all three pieces are exactly the same size and dimensions. Mm-hmm. That's because they, they build them all the same, and then they get oriented correctly when they get put on the fuselage. Uh, so you really only have one set of parts to build the three tail surfaces on that. They're all built the same way, and then they're oriented according to their role, horizontal or vertical, when the uh, plane is going down the line. Uh, that's really clever thinking and a big money saver in the long run. Yeah. Uh, that was the same reason they went for the tube steel fuselage, because that was the most common uh, production style at the time. Uh, the Comanche was... Piper's first all-metal monocoque construction airplane. Uh, the twins that came before it were a combination, and the singles that came before it were tube and rag. Uh, so the, the the Bonanza, that was an early adapter of all-metal stressed aluminum construction, uh, and that was not, circa 1945. So it, that type of production hadn't penetrated a long way into the design philosophy of airplane companies. I mean, the Belanca Viking, that's steel tube underneath a Mm -hmm. a sheath of skin. Uh, And if you sit in one of those after sitting in a a Mooney, you'll notice that they both have that same feeling of being just a little bit snug. Yeah. But they're comfortable on a long trip. Now, the back seat of both of those, the Viking and the Mooney, 
particularly the early year 20 series moonies before they stretched the fuselage that was like sitting in the back seat of a volkswagen bug <laughs> you know it wasn't uncomfortable uh for short trips but if you're going very long you kind of miss the ability to be able to stretch your feet a little mm-hmm. yeah so but uh, um, that's one of the reasons why they flew so well they, they didn't have much surface area yeah we should probably move on here, but I, I, one one possible it, it, by any chance is there something about a Mooney that makes it more expensive to insure than other complex aircraft? Not no that one? I know of. Yeah, uh, um, something I touched on earlier, perhaps, which is the landing gear. There's what about always, there? Always, yeah. There's always the the chance of landing a, a retractable gear airplane. Right, but I mean, guys, compared to other retractable landing gear aircraft, um, no. I just no. Okay, no. all right. I don't know. You know, I hope it comes back. I, if only for our friend James. Although James will keep his, I'm sure, to the bitter end. Oh yeah. Uh, and, no, it, uh, someone, someone will will come in and make parts. Someone will come in and um, yeah. That even that presumes that they well, they're going to totally to totally go out of business. Sorry, yeah. Chip. No, go ahead. Go ahead, David. I was going to say they're going to have to wrest it from the hands of the Chinese owners. Yeah. Oh, no, there's that too. Okay. All right. Well, we'll 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 keep an eye on Mooney, but uh, you know, and it sounds like there's a supply of airplanes available. It's not like you can't get a Mooney if you want a Mooney. It's just a new, you know, brand new ones might be harder to come by. But uh, okay. Uh. So the drones are coming. Uh, the UAVs are coming. Um, and uh, there's a story in the news. Let's see now. Uh, so it's almost 10 days ago, but uh, a 50-mile drone corridor established in upstate New York. Is that, what is that, a, a forum or against them? I mean, <laughs> is it drone-free corridor or is it a drone operation corridor? Oh, it's a drone operation corridor. Um, it's, uh, so um, it, when I first saw this headline, I thought, okay, here we go, because I, I I've said in the past, and I still believe, that the drones are going to swallow up all the airspace um, as time goes on. But, and I thought, okay, here's an example. And I, when it said drone corridor New York, I thought, oh, there's going to be a drone corridor along Manhattan, and, uh, and that's not what this is at all. Um, in fact, this is not really an operational day-to-day corridor. This is a test corridor um, in upstate New York, um, near Rome, New York. Apparently, it runs some roughly between Syracuse and Rome, New York, which is... Now, I, I, uh, by the way, I sent you in cast a, a link to a story that has a drawing of where this corridor is located, um, so you can visualize it. Um, but it's a corridor that kind of goes east-west oriented um, in upstate New York near uh, uh, Lake... Uh, um, oh, these lakes, I always get them confused. Um, I believe that's Lake Ontario. And, uh, uh, and, uh, you know, they're, this is for testing, um, what? unmanned, um, aircraft systems. And apparently according to the stories, it's particularly for testing, um, what's the great acronym here? B, B, BV loss, BVLOS, um, which is, uh, the, beyond the, visual range loss of signal. Yep. The, uh, the operation of UAVs, uh, um, yeah, beyond ritual range. Um, and uh, so it's interesting. Um, the state of New York is really crowing about this. The original story I saw was had uh, New York Governor Cuomo um, crowing about this. And, well, uh, what does that mean for Joe Schmo in his oh, now out-of-production Mooney? <laughs> yeah, well, I don't know exactly. Um, you know, it, 
and and I've been searching all these stories and, and online. I just took, took a quick look at Forflight to see if it's listed in Forflight yet, and it's not. Um, at least I don't see it in my version mm. of Forflight. <clears throat> my question, first question is, so the drawing I sent you shows the lateral bounds of it, but I don't know how high it is. Well, there's a graph in this story in the link you sent. Um, yeah. It says... Uh, New Air customers, and New Air apparently is the um, um, organization behind this. New Air, New Air customers have approved access from the surface up to flight level two five zero with Yikes. current airspace, yeah. including special access all the way to flight level seven five zero upon request. <laughs> now, what does that mean exactly? It I, means it means absolutely nothing because. Um, basically, air traffic control functions cease at flight level six zero zero. Right. Yeah. So. So I don't know what is going on here. So the blackbirds have to see and avoid now. Is what you're saying? And uh, well, how many how many um, drones get to seven five zero that we know of? Dun 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 dun. Dun 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 dun. Yeah. Right. So uh, so th- so if this thing goes up to even twelve hundred feet. Um, I mean, this is, in other words, okay, so, according um, to the story, this is a pretty high, um, pretty deep, if you will, um, restricted. Or, no, I don't know if it's restricted, strictly speaking, this, uh, what do they call it, uh, uh, corridor. I mean, people fly up there. This is an area where people fly GA. Well, um, yeah, yeah, if you, you want to, you know, I can just see the, the student pilot uh, um, learning to fly in Syracuse, and Rome is probably one of his cross countries. Yeah. You know, how, do you, how do you do that? I'm going to pull up a couple of things. You all talk among yourselves. Yeah, this is like, uh, you know, when I fantasize about flying from uh, up here in southern, New ha- southern Maine, northern, uh, you know, eastern New Hampshire, um, to Oshkosh, uh, this is right along the line. I mean, if I did a, a, a what's the good in navigation charting term, rum line, all right? The uh, if I did a straight line um, <laughs> as the UAV flies from uh, from uh, Sanford, Maine to Oshkosh, Wisconsin, I bet it goes right through the middle of this thing. That's an interesting. Yeah. That's an interesting exercise here. Uh, David, what do you think about this? Well, there's. Two big things that they're trying to test here: the uh, beyond visual line of sight, and 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 the tracking of such uh, uh, machines. Stop! Not calling them aircraft yet. Uh, and the support for what it'll take to manage all that within the existing airspace constraints for manned aircraft. So uh, they picked a lightly populated. And by the way, this isn't the only one that's going up in the country. There's going to be, I think, five or six others. Uh, And uh, where they're going to be testing these same kind of things in different parts of the country. And they're starting out with, fortunately, lightly populated areas, as they put it. Uh, So... uh, I, I think as long as a machine can see and avoid, uh, and that there's somebody monitoring it back there at the, the launch base, wherever that happens to be, uh, there's no there's no stopping this juggernaut. Uh, you know that that's it's gone way way beyond any rational thinking about how to integrate it. To okay, we're going to create some test areas now that we've decided we're going to do it. Instead of doing some test areas and then deciding whether to do it, 
uh, that seems to be the trend in this uh, in this part of aviation right now. So uh, I'll be like everybody else, like every other pilot. I'll be watching to see how this plays out. Mm-hmm. Well, I'm looking on on uh, online. I'm looking actually looking at Four Flight uh, website. Um, and <laughs> That's where I am too. Is their charter? Yeah, yeah. And you know, between Syracuse and Rome, there is no airspace designation. Uh, on this chart, and I presume it's a current sectional. Same thing with the uh, the IFR in route at low altitude. Um, so I don't know what all that is about. So, yeah. And I don't, you know, now if I filed IFR through that airspace, what's going to happen? Well, yeah, presumably they're going to route you and do the right thing, but I well, know. what does that um, mean? You know. Either there's they're testing UASs in that airspace, or they're not. And um, yeah. shouldn't shouldn't it be like a, it'd be like any other MOA or restricted area, right? It's hot or it's not hot, and well, ATC there's no keeps such track. thing as a as a drone testing area when it comes to special use airspace. There is now. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's not charted. Is all I'm saying. Uh, well, I think it probably doesn't exist yet. Uh, is there an operational date on this story? That's the other question. Uh, so, you know, I mean, it may not have actually gone operational yet. It might not happen till next year sometime, or I don't know what. Yeah, but, uh, looking looking at these stories are this, like really fluffy. This, yeah, this is almost a press release as opposed to a to a news story. So. Yeah. All right. Never mind. Well, well, what intrigues me is the the the, the uh, testing that they set this area up to to support is evaluating next generation UAS ground based detect and avoid systems capable of enabling beyond visual line of sight operation ground based instead of aircraft based uh, that that intrigues me I'm. I'm you know, we have CN avoid. We have collision avoidance systems for our aircraft. We have ADSB in that shows us where traffic is, uh, and then we have air traffic controllers with their radar and soon ADSB uh, to help keep us separated and sequence us going in and out of the, uh, airports. But I never really thought of ATC as a ground-based collision avoidance system. Uh, I'd I'd, I'd, I'd be somewhat more comforted to know it was an airborne-based collision avoidance system. Well, I I hark back to the early days of the FAA coming to the community and and selling, trying to sell us ADSB. And, you know, one of the things was, well, you can get weather in your cockpit, you can get traffic in your cockpit. And I just kind of looked at someone and I said, I have that now. I have ATC. And I have next red, you know, or or I can call up flight service, or I can do this, do that, and yeah, but you don't have to talk to anybody. Well, you know, kind of maybe sometimes I want to talk to somebody. So it, you know, it goes back and forth. But I'll come back to something I've said a long, something I said a long time ago, and still still say is there is no reason that every um, drone I'm call it, use that word instead of UAV or UAS or whatever the hell. Uh, there's no reason that every drone sold in the U.S. should not does not have ADSB out. Right, I guess there's no right. reason for that. 
Yeah. It's on a chip now. It's you know the chip can be incorporated onto your circuit board. There is no reason for this. And I guess the the next, but but that begs the next question, which is that okay, so the drone will know where it is, but then what are you going to do with that information? Well, are you gonna, you've, you've, is it going to have be smart and act on it? Like, well, there's a lot of talk. I don't know if they actually implemented this whole thing about drones won't fly into restrict quote unquote restricted areas or limited areas. You know, like within five miles of an airport. Yeah, there were, there were supposed to be blackout areas of some sort. What they call them, uh, geofenced. Yeah, geofence. Thank you. Yeah. So I don't know whether that ever ever got implemented. Well, so, yeah, it, I mean, it is and it isn't. I mean, you know, there was a there was a midair, I don't know, sixteen, seventeen, uh, between a, uh, a DJI drone and a U.S. Army Blackhawk, um, mm-hmm. southern part of the New York City Harbor, um, and the drone operator. Um, but no, I'm sorry. DJI at the time had a software, uh, had software that was, as part of the operating system right. that respected the geofencing. But because of problems um, on DJI's end, they had disabled that geofencing right. and didn't tell anybody about it that right. they, they had disabled it. Yeah. Uh, and this guy was flying a thing beyond visual range anyway, which, you know, there's multiple violations. Uh, on his part, um, the Blackhawk uh, recovered. It had engine damage. It had airframe damage, but mm-hmm. it recovered to uh, to a nearby uh, uh, landing, safe landing. Right. Um, I don't know. I just anyways. You know. It's only but, but you know again we're, we're, we're it's just a hop, skip, and a jump. Uh, I was having this conversation with somebody. Other. It's just a hop, skip, and a jump from Granddaddy. Come tell us again about how you used to fly piston-powered airplanes by hand. I know exactly, okay. exactly. All right. Uh, before we move on, I just let me cl- uh, correct myself, which is uh, that uh, I-, I alluded earlier that a straight line between uh, Sanford, Maine, and Oshkosh would go right through this restrict this this corridor, um, and it doesn't. Um, it. Uh, I'm looking at the. I goes it. north of it, doesn't it? Yeah, the Great Circle goes north of it. <clears throat> Actually, goes up north of Lake Ontario and uh, through a chunk of Canada. Actually, north of Toronto even is the Great Circle. Um, which, and it's never been clear to me. That's a story for another day. But that's a conversation what? for another episode. What? Um, uh, flying overflying Canada without intention to land. Yeah, that's that's I've done that. Yeah, it's it's you know, I, I left Oshkosh, flying to Albany, New York, and we went into Canadian airspace. Yeah, uh, because it the was, yeah, it's pretty seamless. Yeah. Because I've always thought, I thought that the ideal route from here to there um, would be um, via Buffalo, New York, because um, that avoids um, some dramatic over Great Lake flying. Um, but it does take you across the chunk of Canada between Buffalo and uh, Detroit. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and it's never been clear to me what kind of clearance you need to do that. Um, and especially now, um, it, with my, uh, my shiny new... Um, basic med medical mm-hmm. um whether i certainly can't land in canada can i even it's complicated that's another story um so uh yeah the drones are coming the uavs are coming get ready here we go what's next here uh okay so uh uh, uh ground school is now in session um ground school is in session yes so 
two things. First one, um, I was watching some YouTube videos recently, um, and on two different YouTube videos, two different pilots, I heard a bit of phraseology that I was on, that was new to me, um, and they both seem like pretty, pretty competent, pretty experienced pilots. So, I, I, so what the scenario was that these pilots were flying sort of near an airport. Um, I, I think they were both uncontrolled airports or non-tower airports and uh but they were making and even though they weren't planning to land at these airports they were passing nearby enough that they thought it was wise and courteous to just announce their position and so they were announcing their position i'm to the west six miles heading this course out of etc etc and what, and they made two or three calls during the time that they were near that airport. And then when they were about to pass beyond that airport's sort of, you know, area, all right, um, they concluded the final um, announcement with the phrase, last call. Mm-hmm. They'd say, you know, uh, you know Skyhawk 12345 is, is six miles to the west, uh, moving out of your area, last call. Is that common? I'd never heard that phrase before. Have you guys heard that phrase before? I've heard it before. I don't use it because uh, I don't. Um, how should I put this? I don't uh, uh, alert anybody when I'm passing near an airport generally because I'm too high to worry about it. Right, and that's that wasn't the case here. I mean, uh, in, in fact, one of these was a helicopter flying pretty low, but. Uh, um, I, I just I'd never heard that terminology before, and uh, mm-hmm. I was wondering whether it's in the aim, and I'm just you know ignorant, or and, and well, I haven't flown in a long time. Let's, and, uh, let's look at the aim. Okay, David, uh, what do you think? Last call. I, that, 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 I, I, I can't recall ever hearing it, and I know I've never used it. Uh, I have checked in with uh, airports on their uh, common traffic advisory frequency uh, frequently when I'm flying in the vicinity. And know that there's traffic there, uh, but usually when I'm making my last call, it'll be you know uh, X Y Z such and such, uh, ten miles west uh, out of your area. Bye bye. Uh, yeah, and, and, and leave it at that. Right, and I I definitely do when I do this kind of thing. I would announce that I was that I was gone. You know, I'm departing the area is probably the term I would have phrasing I would have used. Um, and I kind of like last call. I mean, I, I, if people understand what it means, and I guess maybe that's why I'm asking. Well, it would be, you know, when I hear last call, the first thing I want to do is get to the bar and get another beer. I, I, I wonder what my tab's going to be. You know? <laughs> really? <laughs> yeah. Someone says last call. I say line them up. Um, so uh, yeah, Jeb, did you find it? Well, I'm. I'm. I did a. Well, let me, let me back up. A couple of links here, and you know, one of them is an HTML version of, of of the aim, and I loaded it, and I typed in the phrase "last call," okay. and that alone brings up all kinds of stuff about calling or last or you know last assigned altitude or whatever. Then you put the words "last call" in quotes to search yeah. for that specific phrase. There are no results, no hits. Okay, all right, so. Um, all right, listeners, let us know what you think here. I'm curious whether other people are familiar with and even use um, this this terminology. Well, maybe the pilots were bartenders. Yeah, okay. All right. Uh, maybe in the show notes I'll put a uh, I'll put links to these two videos so people could hear it. Um, anyways, uh, sorry. Now, see, I need to talk, but I also need to cough. I'm going to mute. Here we go. Uh, okay, I'm back now. Um, 
Uh, ground school part two. Uh, Another terminology, a phraseology, terminology thing um, that m- an instructor uh, corrected me on recently. So, um, you're flying, uh, uh, you're doing, um, the, working the pattern, um, going round and round, okay? Um, and you're calling out your location because this is a non-tower airport. And so, you take off and you make, um, you're climbing out and then you make that first left turn and, and that's called crosswind, all right? And then you make, an, and so you say, you know, Cessna 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, uh, left crosswind for runway 2 or whatever, all right? Um, and then a few seconds later, you turn left again and you announce that you're on downwind, all right? And a few minutes later, you're on base, and a few minutes after that, you're on final, okay? Now, first of all, am I correct about those? Crosswind, <laughs> Yeah, turn. you're correct. Yeah. Uh, crosswind, downwind, base, final, all uh-huh. right? Um, I had occasion to announce my location while I was doing that climb-out leg, all right, um, before turning crosswind, mm-hmm. all right? And I described my location as being on upwind, all right? And my instructor corrected me. What do you guys think about that? Upwind is is technically correct. I I would simply call it you know departure laggers or you know just off the end of the runway or you know some 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 other descriptive phrase. Yeah, because I I think I you know I said yeah I think I just said Cessna one two three four five is on upwind or mm-hmm. whatever it is I said. I understand. I would understand where you were. Yeah, okay. if that helps. What did the link that I gave you here tell us? I think I had the had illustration of it. What did it uh, call that, it? That's another one I'd never heard. Up What's wind. that? Upwind? Up yeah. yeah, and I don't know where I got that. Um, I, and it may well be just because it's sort of the opposite of downwind, which is the... Con, uh, the, the Wait a minute. There's a geometry word for this? Up, upwind's the leg where you land. Or you're taking off. Well, taking that off you do is it like most here. people going upwind. Yeah. And... Uh, Hang on, Departing, they called it run, runway, yeah. whatever. So yeah, they called it departure um, on this yeah. little drawing that I sent you. Um, and again, I, I call it up converse. Yeah, no, de- right. In geometry, de- to the opposite corners, angles, opposite angles are. Oh, never mind. Okay, I'll come. Go come to me later on. All right. Well, so you guys think that upwind works, but nobody's really clear on exactly what it's supposed to be called. Yeah. Here's, How about hang, that hang aim on, thing you've got on, open hang on, on your screen? Hang on a second. Hang on a second. Hang on a second. Oh, I thought you were going to talk. I'll, I'll talk no, I'm, while I'm you're... Re- I'm researching. You, yeah, yeah, okay, you, good. You, okay. So, uh, yeah. Um, departure, base. Yeah, okay. The upwind leg is defined um, in the aim. Yes. A flight path parallel to the landing runway in the direction of landing. Okay. So now, it's sort of like if you... Yeah, yeah okay. Go now, ahead. The, the word departure is also described. The flight path... The departure is defined as the flight path which begins after takeoff and continues straight ahead along the extended runway center line. Mm, okay. The departure climb continues until reaching a point at least one half mile beyond the departure end of the runway and within 300 feet of the traffic pattern altitude. 
Yeah. Mm-hmm. And Did your you instructor go. admonish you and say, use the phrase departure leg? You admonished me that I don't remember what he said. Okay. Um, <laughs> it's like terrible. <laughs> I'm sorry. You pay it attention, huh? Sorry, Rich. He's trying to fly uh, an airplane. You yeah, know, get off his really. back. It's like, come on, man. It's an unnatural uh, act to fly an airplane. So. I know. Uh, isn't there uh so I don't know what part of the aim you're looking at. Um, I'll tell you. Part... It's paragraph. Oh, this is not going to be useful to me. Go ahead. Four, four, three, two. Now, is that the part of I'm the sorry, aim? I'm sorry, 431. Uh, yeah. Well, it's figure 431 if it helps. And the word departure is, in fact, used in that diagram. Isn't there a section of the aim that describes what the terminology that should be used when announcing position in the pattern? Yeah. Okay. I, it, you know, maybe it's just so uncommon to even call your position on this particular leg that it's it's a non thing. I don't know, but uh, um, I don't I don't know what to tell you there. Yeah. Um, okay. All right. Yeah. The, the, you, you, I've done a lot. I've done a, a little bit of flying recently, and and most of it has been to in between non-towered airports. And, um, yeah, the the um, CTAF frequency for home drone here at, at Hidden River is twenty two nine, and there because we have no assigned Unicom frequency, there are several other airports in the immediate vicinity that also use one twenty two nine, and they also um, have occasional. Traffic, you know, uh, airport mm-hmm. ma- airport manatee, which is uh, uh, just north of here. Um, there was like three aircraft in the pattern the other day, and, and some runway work going on, and, and they were just chatting up a storm. The punchline is they were monopolizing the frequency, right? And I come back to, you know, at, at a, a different. At a different airport on a different day, there was someone in the pattern, and they were calling like every 10 seconds, you know, uh, we're, you know, midfield downwind, we're uh, um, beam the numbers, we're we're turning left base, we're turning final. And they're just soaking up the frequency with all their little position reports. While all of that is helpful, uh, it blocks other people trying to make similar reports for miles and miles around. Right. Right, I mean um, it's a it's a it's right. a trade off, but it's it's something it's exactly that pe- a trade off because something something people need to be aware of and and I think plan for, especially on nice calm sunny days in Florida, because everybody and their mother's out doing the same thing. <laughs> and you got to look out because moms. Okay, all right. Don't 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 don't. Yeah, listeners, I want to know what you call that portion of the uh, of the flight of the pattern of the uh, of the uh, pattern. Um, call it wanna, George. Call it George. Call it Mom. Call it Mom. Cessna one two three four five on Mom. Turning, <laughs> about to turn left crosswind. So, oh no no. See now, you guys see, are now, now you guys you have dirty minds. I'm telling you, man. It's like okay. All right, what's next here? Um, <laughs> Uh, so this I, is from yeah. yeah. Never mind. 
Uh, one of the blogs that I read on a regular basis is not about aviation, but it's about maritimes, about uh, ocean-going stuff, sailing in, in both historic and current modern day. Um, and they published a story recently about how uh, in the maritime world, at least, NOAA, um, uh, the National Oceanic and Atmospheric Administration, is um, in the process of phasing out the production of traditional paper nautical charts. Um, and... Uh, um, and and so that's kind of interesting to me, um, and it's especially interesting to me because I then I began because isn't Noah's who makes our charts too, right? Makes sectionals and and uh, they they yeah. So they do the the data. Other the, other companies also produce charts, however. Right, and so I was wondering whether I hadn't have we seen a story that says that that uh, av- av- aviation charts sectionals and and I don't know they even still make wax uh, wax charts. And, they don't uh, make wax anymore. Really? Okay. Um, and then okay. what's the smaller one? Again, Sectional you're going to TCA it. charts, right? It's called a TCA chart. No, that's no, not it's, what it's called no, anymore. No, 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 no. What's terminal, it called now? Terminal chart. Or, Just yeah. a terminal chart. Okay, well, it's sort of like a All TCA right. chart. Anyways, has there been any story that these are going to be phased out? No. No. Okay. Good, because I love maps. I mean, I love maps, paper maps, although I haven't had a paper. I, Yeah. I confess I haven't bought an, a sectional since I started flying again, which uh, I maybe just con- maybe has just confessed to a crime. I'm not sure. I was um, say, don't don't you have one of them fancy little skin thinny tablet type computers? I, I absolutely have that, and that's my, that would be my defense. If <laughs> may I, or may I, not I was going to say that that'd be the way. Yeah, that'd be yeah. the way to go. I mean, yeah, no, I, I absolutely <laughs> refer to a chart that is quite frankly m- more probably more up to date than than the chart I'd have in my lap sometimes. But yeah. uh, um, terminal area chart, not TCA yeah. chart. Terminal area chart, sectional charts, uh, other VFR charts that are still in production, uh, paper on paper, uh, U.S. Gulf Coast VFR aeronautical chart, um, Grand Canyon VFR aeronautical chart. Helicopter route charts and the Caribbean VFR aeronautical charts. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, those are the ones still in production by the FAA. Jeppesen um, has its own VFR chart products, and just about every state has its own state aeronautical chart, which is a kind of a. Uh, oh, yeah, that's right. Yeah, you can get those at. Well, at Oshkosh, at the you, those, no, the, well, you can get the, those from just about anywhere. Um, right, you can get them at Oshkosh and Sun and Fun and other big shows like that. When, when the State Aeronautical Agency has a presence, exactly. you can order them directly from your State Aeronautical Agency, mm-hmm. um, and whatever you know. Do they, they still? They have value. Um, um, I'm not sure that they're as valuable as uh, as a sectional. Mm-hmm. Uh, do they still make IFR planning charts? That's a great question. Let's find out. IFR charts. Let's click that link. Okay, in route low altitude, in route high altitude in U.S. terminal procedures uh, are the four um, main things. Let's see about... Uh, I think they make the planning chart, but they make it in a digital version only. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, IFR in route area and planning charts are digital only. Oh, or, interesting. At least they, they're available under the, the digital link. I wish yeah, I, I, I. So I, uh, as I as I mentioned a minute ago, I, I love maps. I've always loved maps. Um, I, I recognize that part of the reason I like flying is because I li- because it's like flying over a great big map. Um, so um, I've been 
cleaning, sorting through all my property recently, trying to kind of what's important, what I want to keep, and what do I need to get rid of because I'm a pack rat and I keep everything. Um, one of the cool, th- I mean, very cool things that I came across just recently is um, uh, years and years and years and years and years ago, um, I dated a, a young woman whose dad was a 747 captain. Um, and uh, he learned to fly back in the World War II era and uh, and was a commercial pilot, you know, after the war and so forth and so on. And he knew, I was, even though I wasn't flying back in the, those days, he knew I was interested. And he handed off to me a lot of old stuff that he had that I'm sure he thought was had no value. Um, and I came across a little stash of it recently. And one of the things in this stash was this uh, chart that is it's it's very long and skinny it's horizontal oriented you know landscape oriented all right and it's probably six times seven times as wide as it is tall all right and it is a an aviation chart of the route between boston and chicago oh it's a triptych yeah all right Uh, but here's the here's the kicker all right here's the really cool part it's from 1953 yeah yeah all right oh how cool yeah um, it's it's a really really cool chart, and I've actually mounted. It's not mounted, but it's hanging now on, on my living room wall because it's just a beautiful piece of art and and aviation history, and it's fascinating to just just kind of like you know, um, you know, in your imagination, fly in these areas, um, particularly in the Greater Boston area. Um, all these airports that I know that I you know used to exist and were have been gone long before I started flying. And they're actually listed on this chart, um, as well as the ones like like Sanford's on there, um, and uh, um, uh, Skyhaven up here in Rochester, New Hampshire, um, is there, but it's got a different name, um, which is hmm. kind of interesting. Um, and uh, it's just a beautiful chart; it's fascinating. And, I, I've uh, got an old sectional uh, that was in my father's flight bag mm-hmm. uh, years ago. I don't remember the dates on it. I still have it; it's still in that flight bag. Um, but the. F- the thing that struck me in opening that up and looking at it and, and at least, if not side by side, but certainly in my mind, comparing it to a current chart, um, is the, the sparseness of the older chart. They're, they're, you know, the, the, the topographic data is the topographic data, and it's all there. Mm-hmm. But um, there weren't, I don't know how to put this, there wasn't that much information on it. Right. There wasn't that much information about airspace or about frequencies or, or things like that. Now, now, certainly there's been an explosion of, of frequencies, um, more and more radio frequencies in use, et cetera, et cetera, and perhaps even more VORs. Um, but it was, it was just um, um, odd to me to see so little um, mm-hmm. information, yeah. so little aeronautical facilities between point A and point B. Yeah. Compared to what we've seen today, yeah, yeah, today it's it, it's almost oversaturated. You, yeah. you you almost need a jeweler's loop to read some of the t- details on them today. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it, uh, and, the and nice my thing nin- about the EFB is that you can always blow that up, you know, with a pinch and sweep right. thing, and oh, that's what that says, right? Yeah, that's. That's a, I agree, Jeb. The same thing with this old chart that I have on my wall yeah. is uh, um, there's a, it's a lot less dense information. Although it's interesting, the information that's there then that still is real now. 
Um, although some of the, as I mentioned, some of the airports have different names now. I, I was, I was kind of, I took note of the fact that, for example, some of the VORs still have the same frequencies uh-huh. now that uh-huh. they had. You know, that's like what sixty, almost seventy years ago, sure. and uh, um, which I find interesting. Um, the other thing I thought it was interesting, I, I looked at this when I first found, dug this out and saw the data, and I'm going, oh, the. Is this back in the days of the what did they call it the four range, um, the, the AN so range, the because the, the VORs are all three hundred and sixty degree VORs apparently. Right. Um, so apparently, I don't, when did those appear? I thought it was later than the early fifties, but I it was not. probably the fifties. Yeah, yeah. So I don't anyways. know. The technology probably dates from the forties or maybe even the thirties, but they didn't get into widespread installation and use until the fifties. Yeah. Um, anyways, beautiful old charts. Um, it's going to be a shame as the paper charts go away, but, uh, you know. Well, yeah. Progress. Yeah, um, sort of, so to speak. Um, so, you know, so. Flip side um, of which is, you know, I just recently um, entered a subscription to just, just kind of some basic paper charts, just so I have them for when um, the, uh, the the airplane soils the bed. Um, and, um, you know, they're heavier. They're, you know, just just the approach book for Florida is heavier than the iPad. Yeah, right. Okay. Yeah, well, of course, you know, I mean, that's, that's yeah. one of the, the, uh, the, uh, the stere- I don't know, legendary stereotypical view of an airline captain w- was carrying their, their great yeah, big Yeah, one, one arm was longer than the other. Yeah, and they yeah. had this great big, you know, box-shaped, you know, bag that was mm-hmm. just for all their charts. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, so, Oh, anyways. legend has it that it was an airline pilot and tired of lugging around its chart case. That put wheels on it and invented the roller bag. Yeah, <laughs> could be, could well, be. Well, I weighed my I weighed my uh, my pilot bag once years ago. Uh, had the entire country's IFR approach plates, mm-hmm. and then books for the uh, sectionals because I subscribed to a service mm-hmm. that put them all in a book, and uh, it was. Just shy of forty pounds. Yeah, I believe it. Yeah. And that's after I took out the headsets, and the handheld, and spare batteries, and stuff like that. That was just the paper, and you trade that in for a tablet with an EFB program running on it, and you know you you, you won't be able to recognize airline pilots anymore because their arms will be the same length. Yeah. And you haven't lived until you try to get through airport security with a big case full of aeronautical stuff. Oh yeah, real? Oh, oh, you yeah. mean like charts, or are you talking about headsets and, and all the above? All the above. Oh yeah, really? Yeah. What are you doing? Uh, I'm traveling. Why do you have all this aeronautical? I'm a pilot. Where are you going? Uh, is that really relevant? What are you doing? I'm ferrying an airplane. Yep. All right, strip over the corner. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Yep. Okay. Yep. yep. Welcome to the 21st century. Uh, they're going to make me get a new driver's license, you know. This is like annoys the crap out of me. That's a Just whole use your thing. passport. I'm I well, yeah, the problem is my passport expires next year too, so one way or the other I got oh, to get a new thing. Yeah, you got to get a new uh, ID, but yeah. renew that puppy. Yeah. So, so it, uh, it, it it will be the substitute for the real ID if your state uh, doesn't produce yes. its own. Well, no, my state is. Sorry, I digress here. Let's not get into this subject, too. Um, We're reaching the end of our allotted time. One thing I did want to talk about, though, is uh, apparently a whole bunch of bonanzas are about ready to fall out of the sky. (laughs) um, Uh, Yes. 
is this is yours in this list? Jeff? Mine is is named in the AD. My my um, by type or, or by model or whatever it is. Right, right. Uh, this is not new. Okay. Um, Let me just give you the highlight. Uh, the top line here is uh, this is reading from what am I reading from? Avweb. Uh, FAA has issued an AD affecting more than forty one hundred bonanzas and requires an inspection of the right aileron flight control cable and fittings. Mm-hmm. Go ahead, Jeb. Yeah. Um, um, these are buried down in the belly of the airplane, um, and I would also add that any anybody who's doing this is doing these inspections is also going to do all of the other control cables in the airplane just because mm-hmm. um, but uh, the punchline is the uh, um, the fastening mechanism um, you know fastening and adjustment mechanism uh, on these control cables in the case of several air, several airplane, aircraft types of beaches, let me back. In the case of several beach aircraft types, um, runs through areas of the fuselage where they might attract moisture. Uh, okay. uh, in one case, uh, the, um, the heating duct um, to the back seats, um, things like that, and um, the mechanism employed to um, link the two. Um, ends of the cables together uh, involves uh, a ferrule and some safety wire and all this kind of thing. And moisture can get trapped underneath the safety. You think, you know, an 032 piece of safety wire is not going to trap much moisture, but it does. Mm-hmm. And over time, it can add up and yeah. corrode the uh, the attaching parts. Um, Duh, if it if it corrodes all the way through, uh, you're left with no aileron, and that can be a bad day. That would be, yeah. Yeah. So um, this started, I want to say, in Australia a, few, a couple of three years ago. Um, the American Bonanza Society has, for several months, probably late last year, been pounding the the, the drum on how, to, how the need to do these inspections and. Uh, um, the reasons for that and how to do the inspections and, and all this kind of thing. Um, the need the, to the, do them. The need to do them, yes. Really? Yes. Right, usually those airplane groups are the ones that saying, now you're going too far. Well, yes and no. I mean, um, if if we're talking about a real safety of flight issue, the, the user, the, the, the type clubs are generally Johnny on the spot in trying yeah. to to uh, get their members to do these kinds of inspections. That's not the same thing as advocating for the FAA to come in and mandatorily require it. Okay. Mm-hmm. Uh, all of that having been said, this was not news to me in my last annual, <clears throat> nor, the, nor the shop doing the inspection. So we did the, uh, the uh, ABS um, service bulletin, uh, and I think the beach service bulletin, they're all kind of, kind of the same. Uh, we did all that and noted it in the records, in the logbooks, and um, this new AD has actually been superseded because, and just in the last couple of days, because uh, there were some models that were incorporated into the AD that did not need to be incorporated right. into the yeah, AD. This, yeah, this story is from yeah. two weeks ago. But so, uh, uh, the punchline is, um, as I kind of suspected they would, the FAA basically put into the AD if 
you've already accomplished this inspection per the ABS bulletin or per the Raytheon Textron bulletin, uh, you don't have to comply with the AD. You've, you, you have, in fact, complied with the AD. Right. And that's where I find myself. So I don't have to worry about that. You're good to go. Yeah, I'm good okay. to go. Glad to hear it. I was yeah. worried. Not really. Not really. Not really. David, anything you want to add to that? We're going to move on here. Uh, I think you got it covered. Okay. All right. Uh, I think we're done here. These last four items, uh, we're kind of definitely at the end of our allotted time here. And uh, um, so uh, I was going to say shout-outs. We're Are there not any done shout-outs? until I say we're done. Okay. Yeah, Jeb. <coughs> okay. Jeb? We're, done. We're, done. Oh, we're done. We're done. We're done. We're done. We're done. Thank you, guys. It's always fun. I, I, I enjoy talking with you. This was good. And uh, I, we, we got ground school. I, can I log that? I wonder if I can log that ground school. That would be interesting. Jeb, you're a, you're a ground school instructor. I am a ground um, school instructor. instructor. Yeah. All right. So I can get you to sign my logbook that we did uh, uh, 15 minutes of ground. You could do uh, that. Talking about uh, uh, radio and, procedures. And that in 50 cents gets you a cup of coffee. <laughs> and there you go. And, and traffic patterns. And, and traffic, traffic patterns. patterns. I'm telling you, man, that's ground school right there. Okay. Thank you, Jeb. I appreciate it. Uh, Jeb uh, Burnside is a freelance aviation writer and editor serving as the editor-in-chief of Aviation Safety Magazine. Jeb, what have you been working on? I have not been working on a whole lot of work at all uh, mm-hmm. <clears throat> the last couple of weeks. You didn't uh, go to Dubai, I take it. Huh? I did not go to Dubai. Um, yeah. But You've been there a couple times I've recently. I've been there right? like at least once a year since 15. Because they just finished the Dubai yeah, Air Show, did, I believe, right? just did the yeah. Dubai Air Show, which apparently was, a, uh, from at least from my Twitter feed, was a pretty good show. Yeah. yeah. Um, Anyways, what have you been working on? Um, I'm gearing up for the January, the January 2020 issue of, of uh, Aviation Safety Magazine. The, uh, a historic milestone. A historic aviation. milestone. I'm not sure... What I'm going to do about the ADSB deadline? Uh, yeah, I know. Relative huh? to that issue, uh, it's it's all been pretty much done. It's been beaten to death. If you don't already know about this, then you know maybe you should also be subscribing to other magazines in right. addition to Aviation Safety. Um, but then but, you have the same problem that, like you know the you know the David Letterman used to have um, on on evenings when some big event was right. happening in the evening, right. and uh, um, his show is on at eleven thirty at night, um, and the thing is already over with, and he has to pretend that he knows what happened, or, right? Or, right. You know. So um, you're writing about January about how successful ADS. Yeah, I'm writing in ins- November about January exactly. Yeah. Well, there so, you go. Okay. So there you go. But cool. Um, you know. Uh, I, I don't know if I'll even mention ADSB. Is that, is that kind of? I call it a second day lead, for lack of a better description. In that, um, this has already happened. We already know that it's happened, and now we're dealing with the fallout of of it happening. And I've been writing about ADSB just as Dave has uh, uh, in in avionics magazines and other magazines and in articles for. I think about a decade now, mm-hmm. and um, I'm just not sure there's that much more to say. Yeah, I mean, once we know the answer, there'll be interesting stories about people who have chosen or or been unable to no. um, comply. Yeah. But, uh, yeah. Uh, anyways, okay. Yeah, I flew. Well, that's cool. You know, January episode. Yeah, uh, I flew uh, um, a bunch of of our. Well, seemed like a bunch of hours. Uh, maybe two or three hours. Or, uh, what's today? Today's uh, last week. Um, yeah. And. Um, and never once was I in airspace that I requ- that I was required to have ADSB. Yeah, that was all up and down the, the west coast of Florida. So right. go figure. Yeah, go figure. Anyways, uh, where can people find out uh, what you are doing when you are doing it um, on the internet? AviationSafetyMagazine.com is the uh, magazine's website. Uh, I'm also uh, 
putting the finishing touches on a piece for the Aircraft Electronics Association, AEA.net, and uh, their monthly magazine, Avionics News. Um, I uh, have some stuff in uh, AvWeb periodically that's either uh, uh, reprint or uh, something old that uh, got, re- got uh, revisited. Uh, AIN Online for Aviation International News, uh, occasionally a, a story, new story or two there. Um, GeneralAviationNews.com is another place that I've been, done some writing over mm-hmm. the last few years. And um, that's on pretty the, much on the yeah, Twitter. On the Twitter machine, Burnside J. And the magazine? Aircraft. Uh, excuse me. Let me get my teeth fixed. <laughs> AviationSafetyMagazine.com. All one word. <laughs> okay. That's the website. And what's the Twitter for the magazine? Oh, AvSafetyMag uh, or uh, something like that. I haven't <laughs> used that lately, so I'll... Okay. Yeah. All right. Uh, let's, let's hang on a second. Hang on a second. Let's look it up. <laughs> let's look it up. Let's see if see? I can sign in. Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> while you're looking that up, that was it. Uh, I'm going to talk to David for a second while you're looking that up, and I'm going to say uh, Dave Higdon is a uh, is an aviation photographer, an aviation journalist, and the U.S. editor for London's Ab Buyer magazine. David, what have you been working on? Lots of stuff. I lots bet. of stuff. It's been a busy few months. Yeah. Uh, uh, latest uh, Ab Buyer magazine. I have a, uh, a market snapshot of. Uh, what pre-owned business aircraft sales are like in the Middle East. In uh, Avionics News, the uh, November issue, uh, I'm sorry, scratch that, the December issue, which will be out in a few days, will have a, uh, you'll see my story there on what Avionics News there was that came out of the uh, NBAA convention in uh, Las Vegas in Mm -hmm. October. So, Mm -hmm. uh, and other than that, I've just been spinning yarns. Uh, yeah. Now, all your stories are, are short enough to be read during the average trip to the water. <laughs> Actually, only some of them are. Only okay. some. I didn't, I, I didn't want to compete with People magazine. Uh, I understand. I understand. Uh, <laughs> well, when one has a couple minutes, David, where can they find out about your stuff on the Internet? <laughs> oh, when you're just sitting around trying to... Yeah, okay. Have a, have a go of it. Uh, <laughs> avbuyer.com, uh, aea.net for avionics news. Uh, I'm real Higdon on the Twitter machine. and uh, Otherwise, you can uh, Google Dave Higdon in aviation, and who knows where that will take you. Yeah, really. It's, anything's possible. Okay, sounds good. Um, it is It is AvSafetyMag uh, Av on, on the Twitter that's Twitter for the magazine. Terrific. Yeah. Thank you. Uh, and I'm Jack Hodgson. Uh, I'm a private pilot, a freelance writer, and a digital media producer. Uh, just got back from a week in Las Vegas uh, where it rained, and that was kind of interesting. Um, it was actually interesting. The aviation twist on this was that it was actually an IFR morning in Las Vegas, which I thought was kind of interesting. Um, it was and cold and, and whatnot. So I was in Las Vegas, and... Uh, um, doing that and uh, now i'm home for the holidays here for the holiday uh, thanksgiving um where i'm cooking by the way i so my family's big on thanksgiving and we all gather uh, at one of one of the you know siblings homes um and then ironically the sibling whose home it is doesn't necessarily do the cooking um and this year i get to do the main courses i'm doing the turkey and the stuffing and the uh, mashed potatoes. i have i have similar tasks in front of me for Thursday. yeah so well then hopefully in both cases the the 
as I said to someone the other day, the authorities have been alerted. You know, the uh, paramedics have been put on, on uh, standby. Um, so. you, you, you mean you just didn't have them park out front? And yeah, well, it might be wise. It might be wise. Anyways, yeah, Thanksgiving kind of on a circle around here. So, yeah. Uh, you can uh, uh, find uh, uh, me in most of almost all of the usual places with the username Jack Hodgson. That's my first and last name bumped together. For example, YouTube slash Jack Hodgson, Twitter Jack Hodgson, Patreon Jack Hodgson. On Amazon, you can find my eBooks by searching for "Around the Field" in the books section, and you can sign up for my email newsletter at jackhodgson.com. Uh, follow uh, UCAP itself uh, on uh, on the web at uncontrolledairspace.com is our our homepage, our website. Uh, and on Twitter, uh, you can follow UCAP at Class G Airspace. That's the uh, class with the letter G in the middle, Airspace, on, on Twitter. Uh, support this podcast uh, by becoming a patron for as little as $1 per episode. Uh, and don't forget that reward-level patrons, that's uh, folks who uh, support us at $3 per episode or more, uh, get access to the exclusive UCAP After Show uh, mini-podcast. Uh, you can get more information about this at uh, patreon.com slash uncontrolledairspace. Uh, send us email uh, to uh, podcast at uncontrolledairspace.com. Uh, check out the uh, latest UCAP news and all the UCAP show notes at the UCAP homepage uncontrolledairspace.com and as I said on Twitter we are Class G Airspace. Hey David was there something you were going to tell us? Oh the uh, if if you want to live for next Thanksgiving and the next Thanksgiving and the next Thanksgiving spend some time in between flying because as uh, you've heard before time spent flying is not subtracted from your lifespan bye bye and that's enough talking let's go flying I still think we need a wine club (laughs) 